I told I'm I'm already wound up. I've been up for a while. So if you're just crawling out of bed at 9:45 and coming to church, it might take you a minute to get wound up, but I'm going to get you wound up pretty quick. We've been in a series. So Tommy, we're going. We've been in a series. And this series is about do different. We've talked about we've talked about the purpose behind do different, um, the meaning behind do different. Because when we when we give ourselves to Christ, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, yes, that is a free gift from God. Not necessarily free because there was a price paid, you just didn't have to pay for it. So there was a price paid for that free gift that you received. And when we receive that gift, we then are required, requested, demanded to do different. There are things in our life that we are to change throughout our life. It is not, it's not to get or obtain your salvation. It is to grow in that which you've already got. So if we're talking about becoming disciples in Christ, there are things in our life that we have to do differently in order to obtain that. There's, there's a discipline factor that comes with that. And it requires you to be different, to do different, to act different, to talk different, to walk different. There's things that you have to choose now at this intersection in the road, whether or not you're willing to go deeper into God or you're just complacent and comfortable where you are. And if that be the case, then so be it. This message is not for you. Just don't condemn those that get excited about some of the things that the Bible and Scripture places on us, and we receive that, and we're so happy to go. How many of you want to enjoy something new in God? Amen. I mean, we don't ever want to sit in the same spot forever. That would be so boring. That's why I like the Bible, because every time you read it, there's always something new. It's, it's a living, breathing word. So we're in the series on Do Different. If you've got your Bibles, go to Ruth chapter 3. I'm going to try to compact chapter 3 together a little bit. Um, one of the things that really jumped out on me in this chapter was the blessing that Ruth received. She received a blessing. She received it through, she received it through obedience, through sacrifice, through her decisions, through her choices that she made. She could have been like Orpah and turned back at that road, that interchange. She could have said, no, I'm not interested in going any further. I'm going to go back with Orpah. We're going home. This just isn't for me. But no, she decided that I want something new in my life. And she, she seen something in Ruth. I believe she saw something so much so in Ruth that it excited her about what Ruth had. And she wanted to do that. Boy, how many people follow you in life? How many people do you influence in life? How would you like to know that when you get to heaven that you influenced a person or a group of people to the point to where they were so, they were so infatuated with what you carried and how you were that they followed you all the way through life and they copied you and they, they done things like you done them. And, and that's not a bad thing because Paul says, <laughs> Paul says, follow me as I follow him. Amen. So that's not a bad thing. So I wonder how many of us can really say, man, we've got, I've got people that are willing to follow me into deeper things of God. And that's what took place with Naomi and Ruth. And how here Ruth is. We talked about her going through her field and, and getting all of her little barley and everything for free. But she applied herself to some things in order to get there. So we're going to pick up in chapter 3. Tommy aggravated me this morning until I give him a title. So the title this morning is Blessings at Midnight. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. I'm just going to, I'll probably jump through a couple of verses or, well, it's only 18. We'll just spend some time together in God's Word. 
Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. If you underline your scripture and Bible, that would be a good spot to do it. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment. Now, best garment there doesn't necessarily... It, you can actually translate that in oversized outer garment. It doesn't necessarily mean your Sunday go to church clothes. It's just it's an oversized outer garment. There's something there about that. If you watch, if you, I'm telling you, if you'll just pay attention sometimes, there's things that will jump out. But that would be a good, a good thing to underline a little bit. Your best garment, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go. Uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. Boy, if we could just learn to take some instruction sometime. So when she went down to the threshing floor and did according to her mother-in-law's instruct that her mother-in-law instructed her, and after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain and came softly under cover, and, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. Now it happened at midnight. That the man was startled and he turned himself and there was a woman lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing for you are a close relative. Then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. For you have shown more kindness in the end than at the beginning. In that you did not go after young men whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people in my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true I am a close relative. However, there's a relative closer than I. Man, if I could stop right there for a minute. Now, now it's true. I, I'm a relative. He basically said... Because she went with the expectation that he was going to take her. He is her relative. She had no understanding of this other relative. And it's just like us when we go to God and we're asking God for something. And he, he answers and says, okay, I'm going to do it. But before I do that, there is something else. See, we've got to receive some things from God that, uh, that's unexpected. And we need to receive them with, with a little bit of peace about ourselves. And not so much shoving her hand in God's face saying, wait a minute, that's not what I asked for. I didn't want to go through a horrible marriage before I had a wonderful marriage. There's another relative closer than I. Stay this night and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty a close, as a, of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, he's basically promising her. Now he says, right after the promise, lie down until morning. Rest. See, we, we uh, let, me, let me finish let me finish. So she said, lay until, so she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that, that, woman, that the woman came to the threshing floor. Don't be telling everybody where you came and what happened. Also, he said, bring the shawl that you, that is on you, and hold it. Remember, this is dress. Put on your best garment. Put on your oversized outer garment. That's the shawl. 
See, we're, mm, boy, if, if, if we would trust God, that God would fulfill a thing so much so that we would make preparations for it before it even happened. Bring me the shawl. She brought it to him and he said, and when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Six. That's almost a hundred pounds. That's almost a hundred pounds of barley. And he put that on this woman. He put that weight. See, there's going to be a blessing that's going to be laid on you. Never mind. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? I can just imagine how she looked after a rough day of work and carrying 100, barleys, 100 pounds of barley down the road. She probably looked a little rugged. Is that you? Then she told her that the man, well, all that the man had done with her or for her. And she said, This six ephahs of barley he give me. For he said to me, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Man, don't, oh, all right, Rocky, I'm getting there. Then she said, sit still, my daughter. Well, she's told twice. To be still, to lie still, to lay down, to rest. To not worry, not let anxiety take over. Don't let the things that's happening around you confuse you and cause you to be distorted in your head. Pay attention. Listen to the promise. Wait on the promise. Sit still, my daughter, until you know how this matter will turn out. See, so many of us, we, we think when as soon as something happens, we, we run from it because it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And right at the very beginning, we go, well, this ain't going to turn out. We gone. Come on, right? Come on, preacher. Sit still, my daughter, until you know the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest. Now, we know that Boaz is a type of Christ. Christ will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Jesus won't, he won't sit back. He's not, gonna, he's not just going to lie down until the matter that he has promised you has come to fruition. There's a few things that jumped out in this, in this chapter, and this is kind of where I got the blessings at midnight. First, we need to understand the threshing floor. I mean, so many times, we, so many times we're waiting on the blessings of God, and we think that those blessings come by just Him just spring. And I'm not saying He doesn't, because He says, I'll bless who I want to bless, and I'll curse who I want to curse, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. But the threshing floor was a place that they would use to beat out the fruit. In the barley and the wheat, they would take this threshing floor. And, and you have to really pay attention here because this, this runs parallel with Jesus. This runs parallel with Jesus, if you'll follow me. The threshing floor is where that which kept the fruit encapsulated would be beaten from it. Jesus on the whipping post, being beaten for you and me. Well, pastor, what's that got to do with anything? That was called self-sacrifice. That was him making a choice to do differently than everybody else had done before. He done differently. He said, okay, beat it. Just beat it out of me. I don't care. Just wear me out. It's not for me anyway. It doesn't matter. So they go to the threshing floor, which was up on a hill. Where did he hang? For all to see. It got dark. That's when she went to the threshing floor. So we've got this threshing floor where we go and we beat all of the, the shaft and everything that, that, I like to use the word, that kept the fruit bound. I wonder how many of you are walking around with fruit in your life that is bound. It's bound by selfishness. It's bound by anger. It's bound by hurt. 
It's bound by disbelief and doubt. There's a fruit in you. There, <laughs> the Bible says that we have hidden in these earthen vessels. So we got to go to this threshing floor that's up on a hill where we're going to get beat down in order that our fruit come out. They winnow. They've done this thing they called winnowing. Winnowing is where they would grab the shaft after they would thresh this thing. And oh, by the way, threshing wasn't just you took up a stalk and you would smack it on the ground. That wasn't all of it that was involved. They would actually tie things to oxen and drag it. Come on, have you ever felt like you've been pressed so much you can't take anymore? See if we could stay focused on Christ as we're going through the threshing floor. If we can just keep our eyes on a promise and not give in and not give up. I, I promise you, at the end of it, I'm going to show you, at the end of your threshing, it will be well worth it. Matter of fact, you won't contain the fruit. They take the shaft and they would throw everything on the threshing floor. They would just take these winnowing forks and they would shovel in and toss this into the air. And it's stationed up on a hill. And the wind would be blowing and it would blow the shaft and the fruit would fall back on the floor. Can I tell you that when you think your life is being tossed around, When you think you've been beaten to a point you can't be beaten anymore. Everything in your life, you can't, seem, you can't seem to gather your bearing because it seems like life is just tossing you here and tossing you there. Can I tell you the wind's blowing? Eventually, everything that is encapsulating your fruit, everything that is holding your blessing, God will soon blow away. If you will just, if you will die to the process, if you'll lay yourself on the threshing floor, if you're willing to go and give yourself at the threshing floor, and the Bible actually says that the only, the only sacrifice that is our reasonable sacrifice is what? Giving ourself. When we're praising God and we are sacrificing ourselves to God and just dying to self, and we're willing to go to this threshing floor, and let God do his work in us. And allow this thing called life to be tossed or to be tossing us around here and there. Remember, I think what happens to us a lot, as soon as we begin to start getting tossed, we forget who's in charge of the tossing. Nothing can take place in your life lest it passes the Father's hand. That's right. why, why do we fight continuously against what it is that God's trying to work out in us? And it's always in the time, it's, it's, it's at midnight. She, she went at midnight. We, we talked about midnight being, being the deepest and darkest moment of our storm. Willing to go to the threshing floor at midnight. I wonder how many of us are willing to go to the threshing floor at midnight. How many of you will continuously choose to praise God even in the midst of your trouble? We're talking about Ruth. She had been discarded from her country that she once knew, where she had lost her husband and lost other family members. She was extracted from her complacency and her, from her being comfortable into a new strange land where she was not welcomed by law. Nothing there was there to protect her. 
But yet she was there and she was willing to go through a process that was given to her by Ruth. And she just said, I'll do everything that you have told me to do. And was willing to go through this process. I mean, this had to be the darkest moment of her life. Poor, widowed, outcast. I know you got it bad. But she was poor, widowed, and an outcast. I know you, you got sick last week. You've been having some issues at work. But she was poor, widowed, and an outcast. She had nobody to care for her. There was nothing promised to her when she left with Ruth. Or when she left with No promises. Matter of fact, Naomi told her, stay here. I don't have a child in me, and even if I did, would you be willing to wait? Just stay here. I have nothing to offer you. I can't give you protection. I can't give you peace. I can't give you provision. I can't give you any of this, but you stay here. And she said, no, I'm, I'm coming. There is something on the horizon. Amen. I'm coming. And because she went... And even in this deepest, darkest moment of her life, willing to go to a threshing floor to be beaten even more. Willing to give up everything as if that wasn't bad enough. Come on, church. As, as if what you've gone through wasn't bad enough. Now you've got to go through something else that's causing you to make a choice to do differently, you'll either praise God through it or you'll turn from God in the beginning of it. What are you willing to do in your life in order to get the blessing that God has promised you, that He will give you? If He has spoken it, will He not perform it? Is that not what He said? Is His arm too short? Why do we give up so quickly on the promise when it's spoken? Why are we willing to walk away when life begins to put a strain on us? Can I, it's just trying to get you loosed. It's trying to break the shaft out around you so that what God has put in you can fall on the floor. But too many times we won't give in. We won't give up. We won't let it go. But the threshing floor, it's, it's placed on this hill. It's used for separating the fruit from what's got it bound up. It's where all the winnowing takes place. And she had to choose to go. Well, but that's what Naomi told her. How do you know how he's going to react? That was, that was not good for the Jewish custom. Can you imagine this, this well-known man? And somebody caught a woman walking out of his tent? What it could have done to him? What it might have returned, come back on her, but yet she was willing. See, there's times that God's going to ask you to do things in your life that you're not going to be willing to do. That you're going to turn away from it because you're going to say, but God, there's going to be some repercussions in this if I do it. I know, poor little pitiful pearl. There's repercussions in everything that you do. I don't know about where you come from or how you feel about the trust that you have in God, but I can tell you where I'm at. At this point, I can't lose anything. I'm at a point in my life I can't lose anything because he's all Amen. that I have to begin with. Can't no, I get to return this on her. She can't satisfy me 100%, but he never fails. So why do we quit? Why do we give up? Why do we let the world win? Look at what happened. 
she went to the threshing floor. It was at midnight. It's in her, it's in probably one of the darkest moments of her life. She knows that he's the redeemer, the kinsman redeemer. She knows this because Naomi has told her. She said, go down there. He'll surely take you in. He goes, she goes and she meets with him or lies at his feet. She doesn't talk to him through dinner or anything else. I can see her and she's just standing in the corner just waiting and watching. Sees where he goes and lies down for the night and she follows. And she lies down at his feet. He's startled. Look at what happened when he startled and he woke up. See, if you will go, if you're willing, oh, how many of you are willing to go and lay down at Jesus' feet? I mean, going and laying down at his feet and just willing to take that chance that maybe, just maybe, He'll bless you. Are you willing to take that chance? Are you still willing to do it on your own? Are you willing to... Do you trust your own self in, in your blessings so much so that you're willing to discard the love of the Father so that you can handle your own blessing? Put it in your hands. Take it out of God's. Can I tell you that you'll only be capable of doing what you can do? But with God, all things. We're talking about a story of restoration. That God will take you from a place that you've been to a place you could never imagine. And He'll restore to you. He always takes you he always takes you beyond. He doesn't just bring you back to the same state. He takes you beyond. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to put that on him and not put it on me. Have you ever tried to work for your blessing? Anybody ever tried to really work for your blessing? How's it working for you? How's it turned out for you? You may have even accomplished it. You may have even accomplished something. But as soon as you accomplished it, man, it blew up in your face. Because you wasn't ready for it. You wasn't prepared for it. God's, see, there's times that God's not going to release a blessing in your life until he knows that you're ready. If you're not prepared, God's not releasing. I don't serve a God, you don't serve a God that is flippant with his blessings. Everything that he does is on purpose. Everything. And if God has promised you something, you better hold to the promise. This is what happened with, with Ruth. He told her, he says, now lay down and sleep. Lay down and rest. After he had given her the promise, because he, he told her the promise, he said, blessed are you. He's given her the promise. Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end then at the beginning, see, and he's telling her why, why she is so blessed. See, you, you've done exactly what you've been told to do up until this point. I told you to stay in the field, you've stayed in the field. I told you not to go after this guy or that guy, and you haven't done it. I told you not to chase your own little pie dreams in the sky, and you didn't do it. I know it's been hard on you to come and do the things that's been required of you to do in order for you to survive and be able to support your family. I get it, I understand, but you stayed and if we will listen to God and stay and we will take that instruction I promise you at the end of the day probably at the darkest moment of your life that God is going to reach down and tell you blessed are you of the Lord Amen. because this is what you've done this is what you haven't done he says now lie down until morning are you willing to rest in the promise? Mm. 
I know we've been taught differently. We, we've been taught that we have to toil at the altar. We, we, we've got to go and what's the, other, what's the other church name for it? Uh, tarry. Yeah, we got to tarry. At the, uh, God's given me a promise. I don't need to tarry at the altar. If God has spoken something to me, I don't need to tarry about anything. He told me to lie down and rest. If I will rest in the promise, surely goodness to mercy. He'll bring to me what he said. Yes. Not, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. We are so, we are so, I don't, I don't know, we, we've, gotten, we've gotten completely off course of, of a, we, we say it because it's churchy and it sounds good. Give it to the Lord, give it to the Lord, Give it to the Lord. We give it to the Lord by tarrying at the altar because we keep going after something else. We keep trying to pray our will and not His will. If you'll pray His will be done, not my will, but your will. Let, let your will be done in my life. Now, that doesn't mean go home and just say, okay, forget everything. That means let your will be done in my life. So now what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to do different. If I want to become a disciple and not just a Christian, I've got to do differently. So now I've got to go and grab God's word and I've got to put it into my heart. I need to apply things out of scripture into my life. If you want to be loved, love. If you want a friend, be friendly. If you want to receive, give. That's the do different part. Boy, that's hard, ain't it? What do you mean give, God? I don't have nothing to give. You've got everything in the world to give. And if we'll ever step out, and I'm not talking just monetarily. Get that, squash that. Just squash it. But yeah, it includes that. But it's not, it's not solitarily confined. If you want to receive, you have to give. Give of yourself. We've talked about it. Whatever it is that you have is not meant for you. It's meant for someone else. We have become so arrogant, even inside the church, with talents and giftings, that we think it's meant for us so that we can step into spotlight, so that we can prosper off of the gospel. He said, rest. If you'll just lie down and rest, I'll do it in the morning. Can you rest? Can you rest in your most troublesome times in life? I mean, when life is in your face, eating you up. When everything that you've been hoping for and dreaming for and praying for doesn't come to pass the way you want it, can you rest in the promise of God? That's hard. I'm telling you from experience, that's... I've said it before, the worst, the worst thing for a visionary is his eyesight. Because as soon as God shows him, he wants it. Got to have it now. And God showed it to me. I, now. That's why sometimes you have to have... partners you know so then go easy big fella but God promised it I want it it's there all I got to do is run after it get 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 it and you get all up in the mix and you destroy the entire thing because you've gotten there too quickly could you imagine 
Could you imagine the chaos of the Israelites crossing into the promised land of the first generation of wilderness people? Could you imagine the chaos there? God could. That's why God killed them all off except two. He had to get rid of a thing. I can't let you... Oh, man. I, I can't let you live in the promise with a different idea. I've got to change some things. You need to look at things differently. You need to receive things differently. This is the best example that I can give you as far as receiving something from someone. If I was to come to you and I was to give you a card and in the card I just wrote thank you I love you if there's anything I can do for you let me know and I sign it and I, and I do it with the real pretty I don't have it but the real pretty handwriting and it's all scripted I mean, it looks good and I give you that card and then your child or your grandchild comes to you with a piece of folded up paper that they've made back in Sunday school or whatever. And they bring that piece of paper to you and it says the exact same thing that mine said. And theirs is written in crayon and it's different colored crayon and you can't really make it out. And there's, there's the T is here and the H is there and the E. Is, I mean, it just, it's all, can I ask you a question? Which one means more to you? You have to change your perspective in how you receive. See, your perspective in that, you automatically excluded, Pastor. <laughs> I'm just going to the house with my feelings hurt. <laughs> but because you changed your perspective, I helped you understand the difference between the two. If we would receive the promises of God the way that we would receive a handwritten note from one of our little siblings, from a grandbaby, from a child, It means so much to you, so much so, that you go to the store and you buy these one through zero magnets with all the different colors on them. Come on. You don't I can go to your house and you probably got them on your refrigerator right now. And you grab them magnets and that card meant so much to you that you got it and you put it on public display right on the refrigerator and put that ugly magnet to it. And it means the world to you. Mine got wadded up, thrown away in the trash, gone the very next day. Probably before you got out the church parking lot. You dropped it in the trash can out there. Y'all don't think I look in them, do you? I look all the time. I'm joking. But you tossed it in the trash can and you took this piece of paper. All because your perspective. You waiting on a promise? Has God promised? Are you willing to rest? Are you willing to trust that whatever He has promised you, He's going to do it? Ruth is told two times to rest. I told you before, anytime, anytime that you see this stuff back to back like this, Two or more times, you need to pay attention to it because there's something about it. God's trying to tell you something. Rest. If he said it, he's going to do it. Just rest. And I'm not saying that you lack faith when you go back to him and ask him for it again. I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying, change your perspective. When you go back to him this time, because he's already said it, Thank him for doing it. Amen. Thank him for doing it. And because she took the initiative to listen to both Naomi and to Boaz, she woke 
in the morning early to get out so that nothing would happen. And he said, bring me your shawl. The outer garment that Naomi had already prepared you for because she already knew the blessing was going to come way more than what you would be able to handle if you would have taken your own. See, you got to creep up on you. Got to creep up on you. Sometimes, sometimes when he does creep up on you, David, he, he, he will challenge you. He will challenge you with this love that you profess that you have. Whew. He'll challenge you with the love that you profess that you would have for one of yours by seeing if you're willing to take care of a couple of his. Amen. The blessing's coming. He's, he already promised it. But there's some things, David. Y'all excuse me for a minute. That's particular. He's already promised. He's just promised. There's a reason. There's just some things. Joe, there's some things in your life that he's just, he's just trying to reorder some stuff to get you to the point that when whatever the promise was comes. Man, I should have. I should have brought it. Don't run far, Pastor. Don't run fast either. <laughs> because if, if I don't prepare you, you don't have the means to carry it. Sometimes you need to heed. Sometimes you need to heed the word of God through his servants too. Stop just waiting to hear God's voice audibly. It, sometimes it just may not happen. But you're being prepared. I don't know who you are today. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you, I know some, couple, but I don't, I don't know everything about everybody. I'm just trying to prepare you for a reason. See, God sent me here this morning to make sure that you understood that the stuff that you have to... Oh, man. You've got to be willing to go to the threshing floor. Don't you know, man, if you fight and struggle for a shot, it hurts worse? But if you'll just go and say, let's just get it over and done with, no, and then you leave, man, it was a lot easier, a lot less anxiety, stress. If you just prepare yourself and you're just willing to sacrifice and give in and let God do whatever, whatever it is, God, whatever means it is that you have to do in my life, see, we'll pray that prayer for our kids. God, whatever you got to do, we get to the point we're just so frustrated. We, we just hoping we can hold on to our sanity and salvation. And we just go, we, oh, yes, they do. I'm telling you now they do, dear. Oh, yes, they do. They just say, God, whatever it is you got to do, you, whatever. We in total surrender at some point in our life because we just can't, I wish my daughter was over. We just can't handle it no more. We just go, that's it. God, whatever it is that you got to do, you just do it. And we trust that he's going to do it because we just settle down. We just go, I'm just done. I'm exhausted. I can't deal no more. Can't handle no more. Don't want to talk about it no more. 
but see if we'll be prepared. And if we'll go into our problems and our situations and our circumstances with the understanding that there was a promise released into our spirit at one time or another, and we decide that we're going to take an oversized outer garment so that I can take what I'm about to receive home with me. Can you imagine carrying 100 pounds in your pocket, Lindsay? I mean, they didn't, I don't even think that women had pockets then. So, so, I mean, the best they could have done was maybe two little baskets or something. I mean, okay, let, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. She was strong. Actually, one commentary that I was reading on about that actually said that 100 pounds wasn't nothing for them women. I said, dude, come on. If that's the case, I wouldn't want to been in that field pulling out no wheat and barley from nobody's arms. You know what I mean? I scared one of them to hand me my butt. <laughs> right? I mean, if 100 pounds didn't phase them women... I mean, can you imagine her getting this stuff strapped up and wrapped up? And he threw a hundred pounds. Oh, David. <laughs> Told y'all, didn't I tell you? He gave her a hundred pounds of the first fruit. That meant the wheat season was coming. Come on. That, 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 means oh, that means harvest time's not over. That's right. Thank you, <laughs> this, this is just, it's just a portion. Oh, that's all. Listen, that was just a portion of what Boaz was about to give her. And it, the, even his portion was more than she could have handled. Lest she been prepared. Oh, get prepared. That's right. <laughs> you getting to do that? pounds. A portion of what God's about to do in your life. Just the portion. You can't contain it. And I've always got to go back to the parable of the sower because I've got to keep it in my mind. That way I don't get mad at you. Because I understand that only 25% of you will ever be able to, to take what I just said. Because 25% of you will be like the seed that's tossed on stony ground. See, it's, it's not the seed that's sown dictates what happens. It's the soil in which it falls on. See, if you, if you continuously walk through your life not expecting God to fulfill a promise, my friend, I promise you, you'll never see it into fruition. But if you will do whatever it is that you, and you start preparing, you don't know, you don't know. You don't know what God's about to do in your life. All you have is a promise. And if I can just learn... God, God, give them rest because they're going to need it now. <laughs> but they, if you just learn to rest in the promise, yes. no greater love than one that's willing to lay down his life. I'm going to prepare you. See, I'm working you. I'm pressing. You on the threshing floor. You on the threshing floor. You get on the threshing floor and everything that, everything that you've been desiring and everything that you want, God is trying to get some of this stuff out of the way so that he don't have to fight with you. And once he gets you fixed up and gets you ready and gets you prepared, then here he comes. You willing? You willing to take the threshing? Are you willing to take the winnowing? 
Are you willing to rest in the promise? Pastor, how do I get prepared? How, how do I get prepared? How, 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 is it, how is it I can go to the threshing floor? You go to the threshing floor with praise. See, she, she was carrying a garment of thankfulness and didn't even know it. And see, unless you have a garment of thankfulness, you can't receive the promise. I wonder how many of us are prepared. I wonder how many of you are really sitting with a promise. Not you, not, BJ, there's a difference between a promise from God and wishful thinking. See, wishful thinking is a desire that satisfies our flesh. A promise for God is something that satisfies our soul. And the Bible says that he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that he, that he will give you what it is that you want. It's saying that he's going to give you what it is he wants you to desire. He gives that to you. And he goes on to say, whatever it is that concerns you, he'll perfect it. Are you willing? I mean, are you willing to just say, God, I'm all in? For once in your life, let me talk to the men for a minute. For once in your life, are you willing to be a man and man up and say, you know what? <laughs> it ain't happened my way. How old are you now? 60 what? 64? Oh, 44. I thought you said 65. He's. God, for once in my life, in 44 years, I'm willing to say whatever it takes. I told y'all, man, y'all don't want me leading men's ministry. That's why I got Eric doing it. Because I eat your lunch. Send you home crying or get you to grow up. It's one or the other. I mean, if, we, if we're going to profess to be a man, see, just because you produce this, that don't make you a man. See, in our family, you've got to be 40 to even become a man. That's what we tell them all the time. You're not a man yet. You're not 40. When you become 40, then we're going to say, okay, we baptize you as a man, but now it's time to grow up. But see, there are things in our life, men, that we choose to do on our own because we've got it and we know how to fix it and we've got it all. No, you don't. You can't fix nothing without God. Why you keep trying? Why you got to keep putting your hands on it? It's not a car. Get out from underneath it. This is your soul. This is your life. This is your family. This is your inheritance. Women, are you are you willing? Are you ready? See, y'all don't want me running women's ministry either. I'll make you go home and cry, or I'll tell you it's time to grow up. Come on, well, I'm being for real. Listen, if there was ever real talk, it's now. Because, see, we've grown up in a society where, oh, no, we don't need no man. And, and, and the parents are raising. If God didn't think you needed a man, he'd have never give it to you. If God, men, didn't think you need, didn't need a woman, he'd have never give it to you. He looked down and said, boy, it's going to be a jacked up mess. You need some help, bro. <laughs> right? But see, the problem is we have this, we have this issue of following the steps or following what has been listed before us from God in marriage. We don't understand that it's husbands, love your wife. Wives, obey your husbands. Submit. We, we don't want to talk about none of that 
Because if I've got to submit, that makes me the lesser of the two. I'm sorry, let me help you. Truth is, Bible says that you are. There's going to be some people getting mad at me. Listen, I'm just... It doesn't mean that you're subordinate to the man. If God meant it to be that way, he would have took woman out of her backside. But instead, he took them out of her side. They're to be there to prop us up. Men. But you know what? There ain't no woman in her right mind going to pray for your old skank tail if you're going to mistreat her. And women, can I tell you something else? As long as your husband's loving you, there shouldn't be any issue about you submitting to your husband. Because you know it's much easier to submit to the man that loves you than to submit to a man that beats you. Come on, church. I, this is supposed to be for Wednesday night, wasn't it? Some of the stuff's got to be held for Wednesday. Just keep reminding me, Pastor, keep it for Wednesday. Because Wednesday is when I just get in your face and it doesn't matter. Why did we go there? Boy, I took it straight away from Ruth, didn't I? Yeah. Ruth gone. She done took her. She done got her 100 pound gone. <laughs> Rest in it. Rest in your promise. The easiest way to rest in your promise is to praise your way through it. Because God inhabits the praises of his people. If you want God in the midst of your problem and your issue and your jacked up self, praise him. Because if you complain, it ain't no wonder that I'll sit in my office sometime too and go, God, it just feels like you're not here. It's because he ain't. He said, I ain't coming out setting all that stuff, boy. If all you got to do is gripe and complain, I'm going to let you get that out of your system. I'll be there when you start praising me. We don't want to hear none of that either. But ain't we supposed to, yeah, you're supposed to take it to God and leave it at his feet. If you go gripe about something, gripe to God about it. Just don't expect him to be all up in the midst of it. Don't, don't expect him to be fixing your little issue and all you got to do is say negative stuff. Praise him. See, that to me, that, that brought the praise with it because she laid at his feet. That's where I stirred up the praise and the worship because she laid at his feet. Humility, sacrifice, praise. What are you wanting from God? What's God told you he's bringing to your life? To your situation? To your circumstance? Will you rest in it? Will you praise him through it? Because he's going to check you. Because you know there's only one way that you can prove love, men, women, husbands, wives. You can't prove your love to your spouse by telling them that you love them. That's words. Most cases, it's empty words. Because we love off of past knowledge. Jesus loved off of foreknowledge. He already knew that you was going to do what you was going to do. And he still died for you. Out of the love that he had for you. But let, one of you, let, let something happen in your marriage. Let somebody either burn the biscuits or whatever. Let, let somebody do something crazy like that up in the marriage and watch and see. People trying to, they're trying to knock down doors at the courthouse to get a divorce. Because my husband cheated on me or my wife cheated on me or my husband's mean to me or my wife's done this. or they, Instead of trying to work it out, man, we run from it. And we're making it a good, we're making it an okay standard in today's times. Look at the rates of marriage versus the rates of divorce. Sooner or later, sooner or later, we, sooner or later if God tarries, sooner or later, marriage is almost going to be extinct. See, you, know, you, you never thought that the, marriage, that the divorce rate would be in the 70 percentile 
Well, pastor, it reads just like 50%. No, that's because, that's because they have, they've got you to understand and believe that the only time that someone is married is if they go to the courthouse and become married. What happened to the ones that they lived together for six, eight months trying it on? Adam said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is where two become one. That's marriage in the sight of God. But because we allow everything in this lifetime and everything in this world to present to us a statistic based on who signed a piece of paper and who didn't. And that number is still astronomical. It's still 50 plus percent. But we don't take, in, we don't take into consideration the ones that, that lived together for seven, eight, nine years. And then just said, you know what, I'm done with you. We don't take into consideration the one that's tried out the marriage, like somebody's a car. <laughs> Girls, you ain't no car. Don't be letting no man try you out. <laughs> try you. Why would, I wish you would have tried my daughter out. <laughs> Men, raise them daughters. Let them know they can't buy no ugly truck. Right, Eric? Daughter ain't buying no ugly truck. Show them how a man's supposed to treat them. I failed miserably for 12 years. But thanks to God's grace. Got to marry my son yesterday. huh? Got to marry him yesterday. And hear him write his own vows. I said, this boy grown up. He all grown. Still ain't a man. But he all grown. So this is what we're going to do this morning. Because I know that some of you are sitting in here right now in a storm in your life. And the ones that I don't know for sure, you're still sitting in a storm. You just try to hide it. You don't want nobody to know about it because... Christian E says, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Stop lying. If you're having trouble, take it to the Lord. But you don't take it to the Lord complaining about everything. Take it to the Lord in the praise. Because he gives you a promise. He told you that you were the head and not the tail. You were above and not beneath. You were blessed going in, blessed coming out. He's already told you that. But we have to live through that. See, y'all don't take that as a blessing either. That, y'all, take, y'all take that as a distraction. I take that as a song of praise. Because you don't know. See, when you don't know. Boy, that household changed overnight. We went from one to double up. I love it. But this is where we are. So this is what I'm asking you this morning. That's why I put praise and worship at the end. Stop worrying about people around you. Stop worrying about what they might think of you. Praise God anyway. Praise Him in your own way. I don't, I don't tell you, I don't restrict it. And I'll restrict some things. Because I understand that love is appropriate. It knows how to appropriate itself. I mean, you get too crazy on some stuff, then I might. What's crazy, Pastor? I don't know. Just don't be trying to dress or dance like David danced, okay? That's all I'm asking. If you just don't try that, then we good. But I wanted to give you this word first so that you would understand what to do in night seasons. So that, so that you could take some, take some tools and put it in your toolbox so that you know how to win over the enemy. That's, that's from the Lord himself. Right. <laughs> so this morning, we're going to do praise and worship. Don't forget about tithes and offerings. Still do that. We're still doing, we're in the beginning portion of a building fund. Don't forget about that. That pretty much is taking place on Wednesday nights. So if you want to, I'm just basically challenging your faith on Wednesday nights to encourage you that we, we can step forward. But for today, this is what I want you to do. 
I want you to put your praise on. You do your thing. And you do it with God. If He's promised you something, don't let all the distractions bother you. The wind's blowing. You just got to let Him toss you around in a minute. He'll get rid of your hurt so that it doesn't cause hatred, so it doesn't cause bitterness. He'll get rid of your selfishness. He'll get rid of your anxiety and your worries. Man, all of the, we all have something that keeps us bottled up. What is it? The feeling of not being, the feeling of not being able to provide, the, the feeling of, of being less than. This isn't what God wants you to experience. He wants you to experience His joy. And you're not going to experience it by worrying about what you don't have. Praising with what you do have. Y'all right? Man, I hope some of you can take some of this and put it to work. Because God's up to something. He's up to something with his people where he, he does want to bless you. He wants to bless you physically and mentally and emotionally and financially. He, he wants and spiritually, he, he wants to bless you. The five blessings. Maybe not, I, that might be a series. That might be a series. But he wants to bless you. So praise him in it. 